بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته Welcome to SwissCast once again uh, It's great to be with you guys as you can hear the sound now MashaAllah It's like MashaAllah SubhanAllah Allahu Akbar type status going on Alhamdulillah um, Thanks to the brothers and sisters who've supported the efforts and thanks to everyone out there who's really given the podcast a lot of attention. Um, the number of downloads have been incredible. Uh, the number of hits have been incredible. And I'm humble. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us humble, keep me humble. I'm humbled uh, by, by, by the attention. And I hope that Allah will give us tawfiq um, to continue to address issues from time to time that are important to our world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Sayyidina Muhammad alayhi salatu wassalam, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That we sent you, O Muhammad, as a mercy to everything. And a mercy implies two, two really important qualities which are also given to the Prophet in the Qur'an. بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا That the Prophet is a spiritual motivator, a social motivator, a political motivator, an economic motivator. But also he is a spiritual, economic, political, and social agitator. So being a rahma doesn't just mean to make everybody happy or to scare everyone to death being a rahma is really embodied in the idea of hikmah and bringing what's good for people and protecting them from harm as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said la darara wa la dirara fil islam right there's no harm and there's no reciprocation of harm uh, in islam with that being said that's why it's very important and one of the things that we try to do here at this podcast is to challenge ourselves to speak, I try to challenge myself to speak on issues which are important to the world and to the community that we live in, specifically uh, here in North America as well as other places, but specifically uh, addressing the North American experience, Muslim or otherwise, and then injecting Islam into the veins of those situations. And that, that, that's very important because we have an axiom, we have a principle that you should memorize that says al-sharia al-islamiyah saliha li kulli zaman wal makan that the sharia is good is beneficial for all situations all times and all places and that's actually one of the wisdoms of the hijra of the prophet sallallahu is that islam is now forced to adapt to a different culture to a different set of understandings and succeed in subhanallah it blossoms in medina it blossoms in ethiopia and other places so that being said, what I like to do, um, in particular here in New York City where I'm teaching, is to challenge myself and also to challenge the people that I teach and I learn from to think about things that are really important to us. And one of the most important things that's facing all humanity uh, is the sustainability of our environment. And an outcome of that is environmental justice. I'm sure many of us know sustainability is referring to just making sure that we take care of the environment and look after the environment. But environmental justice implies that everyone in the world, whether rich or poor, served or underserved, has access to the environment in a way which preserves the health of the environment, but also allows those people to live decent lives. So it's important to realize that as the environment suffers, that is the direct outcome of an imbalance related to consumption and engagement of the environment by certain communities, certain countries, America being, of course, at the top of the list, 
we consume two times more than Britain. Britain consumes four times more than the rest of the world. SubhanAllah. So we, we're throwing down. And I wanted to challenge myself when I was reading um, Al-Ghazali's book to, with, with, with our students. How would Imam Ibn Jawzi, whose, whose summary we're reading from, and Imam Al-Ghazali, how would they speak uh, to the issue of environmental justice? So that got me thinking, got my mind working, uh, made sure that I'd kind of educated myself on the issue, spoke to people. And I just want to share with you some thoughts because I know that a lot of you are in these spaces. Uh, a lot of you are out there in these spaces and you're hearing other people quote their religion, quote religious leaders, quote religious leadership. And last week a girl came to me and said that, you know, I've only been able to find one paper written in the academy on Islam and the concept of the environment. Like, la ilaha illallah, where are we at? And in and, and being um, inconsistent and being out of touch with society is not a sign of piety. Uh, being out of touch from the world in which we live and the communities with, with which we reside in the name of piety mask a convenient cowardice and laziness. The Prophet ﷺ in Mecca addresses the fundamental issues plaguing their society. In Medina, he alayhi salatu wasalam addresses the fundamental issues that plague their society as well as celebrates uh, their accomplishments. We're busy arguing over issues which are never going to be settled, which our scholars have debated for thousands of years and which we should just call a truce, or we're busy talking about things which may be counterproductive. And that's because, number one, the lack of qualified ulama out there teaching. Number two, those who are qualified are busy struggling to survive in communities. I know, for example, a qualified scholar now who's driving an Uber. Lack of institutional and administrative support. Most of our imams don't have staff. They don't have another imam working with them. You compare that to most churches, most synagogues, most temples, you name it. So we're, we are in a very interesting position now. So I felt that it's important uh, in my space, since I now work in the university, and I'm kind of out of the nonprofit sector to make sure that at least um, I'm trying my best to stay uh, relevant to the issues. And I may make mistakes unless I'm right, and I may be right unless I'm wrong, uh, but take it easy on me, inshallah ta'ala. So let's, let's talk about two really cool things. The first is the problem of consumption. And how do we know in Sharia? This is really, really important. How do we know when we look at the adilla? Right, the evidence is because one of the qualities of someone who's engaging is ma'rifatu dala'il fiqh ijmalan, as uh, Imam al Baydawi said, is recognizing what are evidences, wa istifarati minha, and then how to use those evidences. So, if we look at the Quran and Sunnah, can we find evidences that implicitly or explicitly talk about the idea of controlling consumption? and being responsible how we consume. So let's look for example where Allah says, Kulu washrabu wala tusrifu innahu la yuhibbul musrifeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, kulu washrabu, eat and drink, right? In wala tusrifu, but you are forbidden, and this lamb is called lam nahi You are, which means it's, it's not allowed, right? You are forbidden to waste. You are forbidden to waste. So there's the idea of responsibility uh, and consumption. 
We have another narration of the Prophet uh, وسلم, where a man came to the Prophet and he said, can you tell me something that if I do it, Allah will love me and the people will love me? Man, look at this, look at this incredible, incredible maturity of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum. Like the questions that they ask the Prophet are like about orphans, right? About who to give charity to, um, treatment of their family. And here, this one, this question is like, can I do something that Allah loves me and people love me? It's so vulnerable. Like, it's so honest. He's not like, I just want to know what I can do so Allah will love me. Forget the people. He's like, I want to do something that, that brings about the love of Allah and the love of humanity. What a, what, a, what a powerful question. So the Prophet said to him, have zuhud, right? Be indifferent to the world, meaning opulence. Right? And Allah will love you. And, and be indifferent to what people have, and people will love you. So, if we look at the idea of zuhud in the science of tasawwuf, which is one of the three foundational sciences of Islam, we see that zuhud now can be calibrated in the face of a Western imperial economic structure, which is decimating people, can be calibrated in our lives as consumers who may be caught up uh, in the snowball of consumption, we can now view and calibrate zuhud as a tool of legitimate spiritual resistance. Like that's how we should look at this, towards opulence, right? Towards opulence. So there's Two evidences, right? And what's interesting about kulu washrabu wa la tusrifu, la tusrifu, don't waste, is a verb which needs an object, but the object is mahdhuf. As a great scholar, Georgiani, he talks about in Dalal Ijaz, which is an incredible book, that means that don't waste in anything. So it's not limited just to food and drink, but like don't waste anything. Uh, we see in the Quran that overconsumption can lead people to sin. So check this verse out in the fourth chapter. Allah said, those who eat, literally, yakul, those who yakulun, those who eat the property of orphans. Indeed, the only thing they fill their bellies with is fire. Like, what do we learn from this? Something very profound, because I asked one of my teachers once in Egypt, like, we don't eat people's wealth he's like yeah but usually people take other people's wealth so that they can consume and the foundation of consumption is the stomach subhanallah man it's deep we know that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said whoever can control two things i can guarantee them jannah and one of them was our appetite our appetite for consumption so here we see a number of verses a few hadith about the idea of not being irresponsible in our consumption. Now we talk about environmental justice. That is an interesting topic because that implies now that we're ensuring that the underserved, um, the vulnerable, have access to the environment equally as those who, who have uh, the have and the have-nots, if you will, the privileged and the non-privileged, the vulnerable and those who are taking advantage of the vulnerable. 
that's the idea of environmental justice, in a way that still conserves and sustains the environment. Now, I, I, I was thinking about something, and um, just bear with me, but Surah Fatiha, you know, Surah Fatiha is just like an endless, endless treasure. And, and, you know, as one sheikh told me once, like, Islam is too cool for Muslims. Like, <clears throat> we tend not to give our attention to our religion. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting kind of moved by this. In a way that, like, that really appreciates the blessing of it. You know what I mean? I had a sheikh once, he was in his 40s, and he said to me, like, every day that I, or every time I study Surah Fatiha, like, I learn something new. SubhanAllah. Like, it's never ended for me. So in Surah Al-Fatiha, and bear with me as I walk through this with you, we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, right? Rabbil Alameen. The word Alameen is from the word Alamat, which means signs. And an Alamat, or Alama, is a sign which tadullu ala mahiyati shay wa hiya kharija anha, which means that it directs you to something like that it's not actually part of. So that's why they say Al-Alameen, that everything in existence is alameen because it directs you to God, but it's not God. So you can see how like tawheed and aqidah uh, are found in this really cool word. It's alama, just like a flag isn't the army, but it directs you to the army. That's why a flag is called alam. The creation around us is called alameen because everything is a sign, right? A dalil. For the, for the existence of Allah. So immediately, anything that directs us to Allah has haqq on us. Anything that can be used to draw us nearer to Allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that we should honor and respect. So there's one point from that verse. The second point, and this is where I need you to kind of hang out with me for a minute and walk through uh, the cluttered furnishings of my mind, is that al-alameen, the form is the same form as like muslimin, mu'minin. The same form as a human noun plural. salim. It's, it's considered a, a likeness to that. It's not really a salim, But its form is salim. Let me say it again uh, in English. So the form al-alamin takes the form of a noun which is human, even though it's not. So they say it's a likeness to Jama' Mudakkar Isadim. That's why uh, those of you students of knowledge, right? Ibn Malik and his Alfiya, he mentions this. He says, meaning, that the form. And, and, and be patient with me if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you, inshallah, in a second. You're going to say, man, this is amazing. The form of Al-Alamin, as Ibn Malik is mentioning, is not truly human, but it takes the form, the noun form, fa'ilin, fa'ilun, which is that form of what's called Al-Aqil, of something that has intellect. So I started thinking about this. Why would the environment and everything around us be given a human form? Why would the sun, the earth, 
the trees, the sky, the rain, the snow, the air, you name it, the stars, celestial bodies. Why is that given that form? Now you tie that and you interject that back into the idea of environmental justice and sustainability. And what I concluded is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is subtly saying to us, the same care and concern that you have for human beings, you need to have for the environment. Allahu Akbar. That the environment has upon you huquq. That the environment has upon you rights and responsibilities. Just like subhanAllah, your fellow men and women that live around you. That subhanAllah, man. And Allah is Rabbul Alameen. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. The Prophet ﷺ, he shows us the, the idea of environmental justice uh, in a very important narration, an authentic narration, when he talks about consumption. And he says, if there's enough for two, there's enough for four. And if there's enough for four, there's enough for eight. ﷺ. There's enough for one person to eat, there's enough for two people to eat. If there's enough for two people to eat, then there is enough for four people to eat. And if there is enough for four people to eat, then there is enough for eight people to eat. And so on and so on and so on. The idea of equal access to the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alluded to the sacredness of the environment in a number of narrations. Let's go through a few of them quickly. The first one, the Prophet said, Ju'ilat lil ardu masjidan tuhura. Uh, the Prophet said that the entire earth was made for me a masjid. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? And we know that the masjid should be kept clean. We know that the masjid has huquq. So it is though he's saying the comparison of the sacredness of the masjid is compared, the compared the, to compare the sacredness of the environment is in comparison to the sacredness of the masjid in the sense of without this environment being healthy and without us sustaining this environment, we can't even establish a masjid to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا لَا يُتِمُ الْوَاجِبُ إِلَى وَاجِبُ Whatever it takes to complete a wajib becomes a wajib. So environmental justice and sustainability is key to us worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So thus that became an obligation, subhanAllah. There's another really, really awesome narration of the Prophet, and I don't want to take a lot of your time. But... The Prophet said that even the fish in the sea and ants that walk on the earth will make dua for Mu'allim al-Khair, will make dua for the person who teaches, in here specifically as Tirmidhi mentions in his Sunan, religious guidance to people. Imam Ibn al-Jawzi commenting on this, he said, because the outcome of religious education should be that a person understands how to live responsibly with the environment around them. So hence there will exist between them and the environment a relationship, a, an ukhuwa, a brotherhood and sisterhood, such that the environment will make dua for them. Allahu Akbar. And that's what we find in the Qur'an when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Fir'aun and his people. He says, فَمَا بَكَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that the heavens and the earth didn't even cry for them. Meaning that someone who died as a faithful person, someone who died as a believer, that the heavens and the earth will weep for them because they will know how to treat the environment. Subhanallah. Ideally, they should. If they don't, 
That's a different discussion. So that would bring up the question, is it sinful to be deliberately consuming in a way which is irresponsible? Yes. If we were to take all of those texts together and to ponder them and run them through the matrices of usul al-fiqh, it becomes very clear that there are components of environmental sustainability and justice which are an obligation. The Prophet said, whoever goes to sleep and his or her neighbor is hungry is not a believer. Environmental, environmental justice. Um, and that's an order of the Prophet, some, a, a description which leads to an order. Um, it could be disliked, it could be an obligation, it could be haram, it could be, it could be. It could run the gamut, subhanAllah. So, as we can see here, we, we just took a little bit of time. And I'm sure some of you are like, yo, this is, this is like amazing, man. But this is our deen. Like, if most of the time when we end up talking about this topic, what I've noticed is we never get beyond can I zabiha, non zabiha. So while we're stuck in the thorny patches of fiqh, which is important, but not to get stuck there because fiqh should calibrate worship, not calibrate arguments, then we're ignoring our ability to speak to issues and be woke on certain issues that are at the forefront of the human species right now. Now, when I, when I taught this class a week ago, um, what I decided to do is break people up into groups here at NYU and, and really kind of work through um, the, the, the way in which, or the adab, I said, if you guys were to continue Ibn Jawzi and Al-Ghazali's discussion on, on um, consumption and now adding environmental justice, what do you think would be like certain etiquettes? What would be the character of a believer? Say, for example, at home when it comes to consumption, when it's in a restaurant, when it's, you know, at the grocery store, when it comes to buying meat and poultry. So I'm going to share with you uh, a list that was calibrated by about 30 people. Um, we, we tend to like to break up into small groups and learn that way outside of just having a regular lesson um, because I've, I've learned so much from these people, man. And a great, a great lesson is taught when the teacher becomes the student and the student becomes a teacher, you know? So let's talk about what would be some of the etiquettes of the Muslim when it comes to environmental justice and it comes to uh, conservation and sustainability. So let's start with the home. Number one is we should try to reduce waste, right? Zuhid now is being calibrated with the intention to serve Allah as a tool for spiritual resistance against the destruction of our envir environment and allying ourselves in the name of environmental justice with those who are underserved. So reducing waste. Number two is try to turn waste into a resource. So having a compost, for example. Uh, number three is to use leftovers. You know, I can say as, as a bachelor for many years, Sometimes cold leftovers are better, man. At least when I cook, it's better than the, <laughs> than the original. Uh, here's something to think about, double recipes. So when you're, when you're making one dish, um, and notice how I'm talking about cooking at home first. Uh, that in itself is a, a very important thing in sustaining the environment and being part of the environmental justice piece. Um, but doubling up recipes, right, so that you can use them twice. Uh, number four, and this is tough, and I've never been able to do this completely. Try once to eat everything on your table and have it purchased locally. So like your vegetables came from um, a farmer's market, 
your meat came from a local halal farm or through a local butcher who brings it from from a, a local farm. Try to eat everything on your plate and have it purchased locally. Imagine like our ancestors, whether we're from, you know, Europe, America, Asia, Africa, they used to take that for granted. Like now to eat locally, you have to, you have to put in some work, right? When eating out, um, something that my wife and I started to try to do, we're not consistent with it here, especially because New York is just mad expensive, is to share a meal. And we know that it was the sunnah uh, of the Prophet and his companions to share meals, eat from the same plate. You don't have to eat from the same plate, um, but just every time one of you chooses the meal and the other eats that meal, so you, have, you divide it into two. Um, avoid carb-filled food. You know, like places like Applebee's, um, cheap fast food, because they, they, they put so much junk in these foods and empty carbs that the idea is to make you hungry again, right? To make you hungry again. Um, avoid as much packaging as poss possible. So avoid bottled water. Most studies show that bottled water, there's no difference between that and tap water anyways. Um, and if you're really that hardcore about it, order boiled water and just wait till the end of your meal and have your water. Um, but try to avoid packaging as much as possible uh, in restaurants. Uh, look for restaurants that buy local. That's extremely important. Now, they added some other things I thought that were really, really important. Uh, for example, when you buy dairy, I don't do a lot of dairy for, for my own reasons, but it should be hormone-free. You know, if you, if you watch some of the documentaries, what they're doing uh, to cows, man, it, it's, it's really difficult to imagine that. I, as a Muslim, are contributing um, to the pain of these animals. And we know that there was a woman who tortured a cat, even though she prayed and she was a pious person. And the prophet said, if she continues like that, she's going to be in hell. Um, we are implicitly, perhaps, contributing um, to the punishment of these animals. And we need to be really, really careful about that, especially when buying dairy. So it should be hormone and antibiotic free. Look to buy local. Make sure it's organic. Cut back on dairy in general. Um, unless, you know, your physician's telling you not to, you know, like for example, a pound of cheese equals 11 pounds of carbon dioxide. Like that's deep. Just one pound of cheese. I love cheese, man, but I, I can't eat it, but I love it. Right. So I'm not telling people to go crazy here, even though Josie says very beautifully towards the end of this portion of his book that everything should be in balance and moderation. When buying meat, first of all, I should eat less. Um, I heard some people saying that the prophet was vegan. That's some nonsense. Uh, we know that one of the things that the prophet loved more than anything else was sweet meat. And then people will say, well, if he was alive, again, that's not acceptable. Um, we have to be very, very careful. We don't go to one extreme or the other. Um, irrational uh, impermissibility or irresponsible permissibility. Like we have to be in the middle of that, right? So prophet loves sweet meat, but eat less, eat less. Go local as much as you can. Uh, local halal farms, make sure that there's no antibodies, make sure they're not pumping um, the halal animal with hormones, um, because that's not tayyibah. That, that may be halal in a certain way, part of it's halal, but it's not tayyibah. Um, Cancer-causing sodiums, you need to be really, 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 we need to be really, really careful, especially when it comes um, um, to meat. Uh, go organic and read about how much Meat consumption is really contributing. Nothing in the food industry is contributing to global warming more, uh, I believe, than, than meat. Uh, seafood, um, it's great if you can look up online the Marine Steward, Stewardship Council. 
the Marine Stewardship Council actually has a list of how you can buy certain fish that is not going to harm the environment and also helps with environmental justice. You should know your fish and ideally buy in the USA and avoid the popular fish. Like everyone gets salmon, even if it says it's farm raised or if it's wild, be very careful. Uh, so that Marine Stewardship Council is an incredible resource. Finally, when it comes to produce, vegetables, fruit, go local, um, eat more of those things, uh, go organic as much as you can, eat some of it raw. You can do research online to see which ones are better to eat raw. And, 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 and it's better to eat raw in general because you're not wasting energy. Um, if you can eat something raw instead of cooking it, understand that you're contributing to the sustainability uh, of the environment. Another thing that we didn't talk about is try not to use so much hot water. Uh, try not to take those 25 hour long showers. I know, man, I love those things too. Mashallah. So what we talked about uh, in the Swiss cast, and we're going to finish now, is being stewards of this world. We know that in the Quran, it says, وَلَكِنْ لَا تَفْقَهُونَ تَسْبِيحَهُمْ Like everything around us is in a state of tasbih. Everything around us is pr praising Allah. We know that the stones used to send salawat upon the Prophet. As-salamu alaykum, Right? So we have to be stewards of the environment and then also work for environmental justice to make sure that people around us within our own cities and our own communities have access to the environment in a way that's not harming the environment but is allowing them to live healthy sustainable lives the earth can do that for us alhamdulillah the earth has that ability but when we abuse the earth uh, we are failing to complete our faith and our dedication to our religion al-islam Barakallahu feekum, jazakallahu khair, and you can ask any questions below. Please share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Um, remember, I am a religiously trained person. I'm not by any means a specialist on the subject. My job is really to interject some points religiously, and then you who know more about this than I, which is I'm probably 95% of you, take these evidences and kind of run with them and use them in your places uh, to interject the Islamic value system. Imam Sakhawi is a great scholar said very beautifully in one of his fatawa that wasting food is like throwing away food, that eating too much food is throwing away food, and it's forbidden because when you eat too much, you are keeping those who need it from it, subhanAllah. So the idea of environmental justice and sustainability is rooted in our tradition. It is an actual individual obligation in certain, certain regards. Barakallahu feekum. We'll see you guys next week. We're going to be doing an interview with Brother Khaled Baydoun about his book on Islamophobia in America. You want to check it out. It's going to be really, mashaAllah, wa subhanAllah, wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.